Welcome to the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. And I'm just Kiefer. For those of you who normally are with us on the journey, we are continuing our journey now in this Lenten season in which we are going to encounter stories of Lent. And the truth is, many of you have heard our stories of Lent and will hear ongoing stories mm-hmm. of Lent from us in the days and weeks and years to come. And so we wanted to bring in some friends of the podcast, so some folks who have been meaningful and important in our shared life together to give you a breadth of story and history and just how God works in the lives of his people over and over again during this season of Lent. And so I hope you're excited for this. The A little formatting uh, primer for you as you get ready. We will introduce uh, the person who's joining us on the podcast this week. You will hear their amazing story of Lent, and then we'll have a few minutes of of recap and, and, and debrief at the end of it. So just, uh, and what they have said that speaks to us and how that might reshape and reform our Lenten experience this year. So thank you for joining us again. And today, our friend of the podcast is a friend of Pastor Melissa's. So why don't you tell us who's joining us today? So today, my dear friend, Reverend Katie Meek, will be joining us on the podcast. She's going to introduce herself at the beginning. You'll hear her voice. Um, And she's speaking to you from Sierra Leone, where she's currently serving. I reached out to Katie in this because Katie is someone who, when you spend a day with her, you want to spend the whole day with her. Mm. And when you spend that time with her, you want to hear her stories. So I hope you enjoy this first story of Lent. Hi, my name is Reverend Katie Meek. I am a missionary in Freetown, Sierra Leone, where I serve as a lecturer at the United Methodist University Bishop Vayner School of Theology. That is a mouthful. (laughs) But essentially, I teach young uh, Sierra Leoneans um, about what it means to be a pastor, preacher, theologian. Right now, I'm teaching history of Christianity, too, and women in ministry. Before I was here, I served in... Um, Central Texas as pastor, first of a very small church, and then as associate pastor of First United Methodist Church in Round Rock. Um, And I was there nine years full-time as pastor. So my story of an experience in Lent that helped me to realize what it's supposed to be Um, actually comes over the course of a lot of years. Truth be told, after I became a pastor, um, you would think that as a pastor, I would um, know how to do Lent. But for me, the first several years of preaching through Lent and getting to Easter and all of those things were actually the most difficult experiences of Lent that I've ever had. Uh, mostly because I'm one of those people who um, has never really liked Easter, (laughs) which is not right in any way because, you know, I'm a preacher. It's kind of the important one. (laughs) But for me, um, it always reminded me of my own disappointments in life. Um, My mother died when I was four, and she... Um, and I were in a car accident together, actually. She was 38 years old, almost as old as I am. Um, I'll be 38 this year. 
and young mother of three, and I was her baby. And um, we were that family that was always in church, and before and after my mother died. And I like to say that um, I didn't have one mother, I had a hundred mothers because of the way that the church surrounded us and surrounded me. But when I was young, I always heard this idea that God can raise people from the dead. And that's God's MO, actually, that God resurrected Christ Jesus. And um, for me, the resurrection was really about the power of God and also the love of God, how much God loves us, that we um, would experience new life through Christ because he was raised from the dead. But my four-year-old mind always wondered why, if God loves us so much, can he raise Jesus from the dead, but not my mother? And so it always felt to me like, um, sorry, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> um, it always felt to me like Easter was empty. What are we celebrating exactly when people still die? And what are we, you know, what's it to me when I needed a mom? I didn't expect to cry <laughs> uh, when I was telling this story. I've told it a hundred times, but I don't know why it means something today. Well, you know, tomorrow for me, as I'm recording, this is Ash Wednesday. So maybe that's it. Um, but so when I became a pastor, I, um, I struggled, um, with Easter and I struggled knowing that I was going to have to preach Easter, um, because I didn't know how to celebrate. I didn't, I didn't know how to celebrate that. And, um, and I knew it was a spiritual issue for me, and I knew as a spiritual leader, it was something that I needed to deal with. But I would say, probably those first three or four years, throughout Lent, I think I went into a bit of a depression, um, just because I knew that I had to lead people into that joy. And I didn't know, I mean, I knew wholeheartedly that God loves me, that God, um, that, that God is for me, that God carries me, but um, to reconcile that day where we, where we say, you know, the sun is risen, Christ is risen indeed, and we sing hallelujah, and we celebrate, and we celebrate what God can do and is doing for us. I just really struggled to reconcile that with the, the reality of the pain and death in my own life. And um, so... Another piece of the story is also that as a young person, we, you know, I was four and we just moved forward. Um, I had a father who didn't know what to do except move forward. And so that meant that as um, a young heavy feeler, I, I, there wasn't always a lot of space to grieve and I didn't know how to grieve. And so after I became a pastor, honestly, three or four years after I became a pastor, I just said, you know what, I have to grieve my mom, that I have to do this. And um, it wasn't until then where, when I gave myself permission to feel the pain and to ask God why and um, to really 
suffer and struggle through making sense of what doesn't make sense. And coming around to the other side and saying it's okay that it doesn't make sense. Um, and working through some of those things. I think um, my first Lent, actually I probably went through a couple of Lents that way. Um, but I remember the first time I preached Easter where it made sense to me was when I included my mom in the story. When I, um, when I talked about death on Easter morning, and because, because the truth is, we too easily skip right over his suffering and death, Jesus' suffering and death, so that we can get to the flowers and um, the Easter bunny and all the delicious candy and um, that beautiful, glorious music that you hear on Sunday morning in church um, on Easter morning and all of that triumph. Um, But what about when I mean, the only way that you can get to the triumph is through um, the through the the grave, through the cross and the grave. That's the only way we get there, because otherwise, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> and so, I remember early on thinking, um, it's so weird to me that I have that I feel like the only way to talk about Easter well is to talk about death. Because de- because Easter is about the life and the living, but you don't get there through through just life and the living. You don't get through, through there through victory after victory after victory. You get there um, through the 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 death and the loss and the pain of your, our circumstances, and then recognize. And I think I don't remember who it was, Walter Brueggemann, maybe, who said. Uh, the worst thing is not the last thing. I heard it through Adam Hamilton. But for me, that's the message. And um, so so those 40 days, I mean, there's a reason that it's 40 days leading up to. Um, and those are 40 days of austerity and of um, recognizing our own mortality and dealing with our own possibility of death and dealing with the death dealing of the world and dealing with um, all the pain that we see around us and not glossing over it and not putting um, a pretty bow on it and saying it's going to be okay, saying this is not okay. Children need mothers. Um, Starving people need food. You know, governments need to stop being corrupt so that um, children can have what they need to in order to, to grow up and survive. Um, sex trafficking exists in the world. And for me, Lent is about saying this stuff is not okay. And um, there's no glossing over it. And the only way we get to the word of hope is by recognizing um, that we need hope in the first place and that our God is a God who traffics in hope and and deals in hope and um, makes a promise to us that even when things seem um, completely unredeemable, 
there is light on the other side. There's life on the other side. There is redemption for us. And so I like to say that as an Easter people, we dig in our heels and refuse to despair. Um, Because even though we are presented with all of this pain in front of us, we know that we have a God um, who is at work in and for us. And in the end, there is victory. But you can't get to the victory until you deal with the grief and the sadness and the loneliness and the pain. So anyway, my mother's name was Candace Sue Scott Meek. And uh, she was a nurse and a bright light. And I know that someday, um, I will know more of her. And I don't know what that looks like or means, but I do have hope because of the resurrection. And I know that today, um, I walk in her legacy and I live in her love and I carry her with me. And that is resurrection too. Doesn't mean I don't cry. (laughs) Doesn't mean that I don't feel that pain. But in some ways it means that I'm strong and wise. Um, And that God has done a good work in me through and because of her and even in her death. Um, I know because I've lived it, there is resurrection. So, anyway, here I am sitting in my bedroom in Sierra Leone recording this message um, as we start Lent. And I think this is a good way of doing it. Because in loss, there is something on the other side. So, Thanks for listening to my story. Man, I, okay, so I listened to the story while I was sitting in my, like, riding lawnmower (laughs) mowing my grass, and I was just in tears. Mm -hmm. And I'm not the person who, like, goes to tears, Um, but she has a way of of telling a story that bypasses my like logical like brain and gets straight to the emotion of what's mm. happening. Mm. And I just think that's also so true of her story of transformation is and it's also a story of Lent of yeah. of that it gets right at the emotional heartbeat of where life is, mm. especially those painful places in our lives. Yeah, what struck me as I listened to it was the radical vulnerability. Um, Mm. and the invitation to vulnerability, right? Lent is a time in which we are to be open with God. And and without that openness, it's hard for transformation to come. And sometimes we feel like we need to give God our pretty face, right? right? God, the, yes, of course, it's Easter and everything. The Easter Sunday face, yeah. Right, the the pretty hat and great dress and fancy suit. Great dress. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You know, I say great dress because I end up buying three new dresses every year at Easter. (laughs) Um, But there's this, Often we feel that temptation, whether we've got something as 
transformatively painful as Katie mm. has experienced right. in Lent, or if we just are experiencing the culmination of life's ongoing weight on our shoulders. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we feel like we need to put that aside to fully impact and enter the Easter story. And, and what I love is Katie's invitation to say, no, part of Lent is yes. the facing of the weight of the world. Yeah. The weight You'll of life. You'll miss Easter yeah. if you don't face it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I've heard preachers say before, you know, in, in advocating for folks to not just come to Christian Christmas and not just come to Easter, is mm-hmm. that you miss each one of those is the big, high, holy, production-oriented right. yeah. days that are supposed to be big and fancy and yeah. wonderful, right? But you miss the true power in your life mm-hmm. if you're not there in the in-between. Absolutely. Right. Um, like Easter feels cheap. Yeah. Like it feels like a plastic egg. Yeah. Like an empty <laughs> plastic egg. The kind that won't stay shut and you have but, to tape. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's Easter. But if you do the full journey of Lent, then it is beautiful stained glass uh, mm-hmm. that tells stories and cast rainbow lights across the chancel area that just draws you in and mesmerizes you in its mystery and its beauty. Mm-hmm. Like that's the like, mm-hmm. that's the transformation from just coming to Easter to doing Lent that leads to Easter yeah. in my mind. Yeah. I, the, just the, the power of her story for me was in the whole being able to kind of read to actually just deeply not like something about just the spiritual life and the church life and all of that kind of stuff and to end up kind of it being the most powerful, like to go through both of those phases of mm, having it like, yeah. this is the worst thing in the world to me. Like, I hate this too. This is also the most beautifully transformative <laughs> thing I've ever like now looking at it. And I've just known a lot. I mean, I think I've talked a little bit about my experience with the Bible on here before, but like, I know other people who have, kind of issues with other parts of it. Like I knew somebody who grew up Catholic who just communion to her was just completely dead. Yeah. Like just lost all because mm-hmm. she just hated the closed table thing and being a Methodist. I was always like, we hate it too. <laughs> no, no, but, <laughs> we no, have but, a different table. <laughs> right. No, but, um, and I saw her at, like at a few times kind of experience a communion where she didn't hate it. And I, and I saw like the power and the beauty in that and like the kind of the little victory of like, mm. When mm-hmm. when you know that, like, when you have all these, like, kind of logical issues with something, but you can still experience the, like, power of it in an, in a moment, like, it there, there was real, I don't know, power and, and transformation happening in that. And so that's what st- stood out to me about her story, I think. Well, and, and I think piggybacking on what you have said, Kiefer, often we, we live in an age of deconstruction, right, mm-hmm. where uh, many within our generation are deconstructing the faith oh, yeah. narrative that they have been brought with. And, and, and sometimes we think that doing the work of deconstruction quits when we've blown it all to hell, right? Um, <laughs> no, that's the easy part. That's, yeah, it truly <laughs> is. I mean, it, you know, bulldozing a house is easy. Rebuilding that same house yeah. from scratch takes time and effort and wrestling and you can hear that in Katie's voice right mm-hmm. um, she didn't blow it all to heck and, and start over yeah. right she <clears throat> she named her struggle and her pain and then kept going kept trusting the community she was gathered in to to be big enough and faithful enough to walk with her in that journey but also God to be faithful enough to walk with her in that journey of of pain and reconstruction so that what once was something that almost deepened her pain right yeah. mm-hmm. um I think it did it yeah. was like an yeah. open wound like yeah and as a pastor she had to go to and that just space. Had, yeah 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 became a source of healing 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm gonna, I might steal a bit of your thunder here, Daniel, as the person who typically gives the invitation. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the invitation I hear from her story yeah. is an invitation, like if you haven't grieved someone mm-hmm. in your life, if you haven't grieved something that's happened in your life, Lent is a time that you have yeah. the space and the permission to grieve. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no amount of time that has passed. There's no, um, what is the like, uh, oh, it's a, it's a law term of statute of limitations. There's right. no statute of limitations. It's been six on months. Grief. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> right. The stages of grief happen in this way. This one takes one month. This takes two months. Right. This takes three. And then by the end of one year, you're done. At, yeah. That, that is to be clear, radically untrue. Um, <laughs> just in case nobody catches sarcasm over the microphone. Um, but yeah, that, that invitation yeah. for, for folks to to come to God with their full authenticity. Yeah. Um, and with that too, like they, they, a lot of, of common phrase that I've heard with grief, attached to grief is the whole, like it comes in waves. Have y'all ever heard it mm, framed yeah. in that way? Where it's like, it kind of goes in and out. And I feel like she's probably, I, I get the sense maybe that she's also been through seasons since that maybe she was like, I'm, I'm kind of not feeling lit today. Like I, don't, I, I feel right. like there's probably at least some give and take. I, I, t- I tend to not think that things just kind of, become amazing like i like it's you you kind of she spent so long feeling a certain way about lent and then had a really powerful lenten experience and i I don't know i i to me i like the thought that maybe she kind of goes in and out of that but she still feels like this pull towards it maybe sometimes is sort of the like to back to the because she knows there's power in it even on the days that she you know even might go back to thinking you know if jesus couldn't save my mom kind of kind of thoughts um I don't know that there there's still like a draw and a power in in the fasting and in the Lenten kind of spirit. Absolutely. You did steal my thunder on the invitation. <laughs> um, I would expand Melissa's invitation now that we have gathered together um, on the invitation to grow to to truly this Lenten season. Approach this time. Approach your community. Approach God with the fullness of who you are. Whether you are in grief, whether you are in joy, whether you're in a season of radical apathy and you just kind of go blah at everything, mm-hmm. approach God with the fullness of what that is, trusting God to be big enough to walk with you through it, trusting your community to be big enough to walk with you through it, and trusting that, that there will be hope at the end of the day. I think if we can approach this season with radical truth and radical authenticity, we will discover, or maybe perhaps even rediscover, some of the power that exists in this time. Thank you for joining us on the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. And I'm just Kiefer. During this Lenten series, if uh, if one of these stories, if this story stood out to you or impacted you in any way, which I'm sure it did, as it did the three of us, um, then we're we're going to ask you to share it, to copy the link, to paste it to a Facebook post or I don't an email blast. Like, however you you communicate with your people, with your with your friends, um, if you think that this is something that needs to be shared, like we do, um, then share it, um, and that's that's my invitation for you. And if you enjoyed Katie and you want to keep up with Reverend Katie Meek and her journeys and adventures in Sierra Leone, then I invite you to 
Um, the best ways to do that is she has a blog called Postmodern Missionary. She also has a podcast where she interviews and speaks to people in Sierra Leone about their experiences called, you guessed it, Postmodern Missionary. And you can also find her on Instagram and on Facebook as a page at you guessed it, Postmodern <laughs> Missionary. I hope you go find the Postmodern Missionary on any of the platforms that bring you joy. And now as you get ready to continue this week of Lent, I invite you to receive this benediction for a season in the wilderness. If you find yourself standing just a step in the wilderness, unsure of where to go next, Christ is with you. If you find yourself walking with confidence in the ease of practice of denying yourself to draw closer to the transformative power of Christ, Christ is with you. If you find yourself sitting at the chasm's edge, looking down into the chasm of death, Christ is with you. May you go to experience this Lent in its transformative fullness. May you go in peace. Amen. Amen.